illegal participation on the defense. 15-yard penalty from the previous spot remains first down. This had better be a big play after all of that. Second down at eight, four and a half to go in the half, six nothing Beavers. Jonathan from the right hash from the zone 25, goes back to throw, and throws the out, and it's caught, and it's going to be a big play! Chad Johnson down the left sideline, nobody will catch Chad, and it's a touchdown 75 yards for the Beavers! This is the moment, and right here will tell perhaps all about that. Third and one and a half from the right hash. Simon's in the handoff, can't cut to the left, first down and more, 30, 25, 20, Simonton on his way, 10, into the end zone, touchdown Beavers, and the streak is going to end here tonight. The snap on target to Nick. he gets a much better punt away here, Sammy Strotter back to his 30 yard line, starts up the middle, gets to the 40, he's got a seam, 45 midfield, 45, 40, he's got a chance to go, 20, 15, 10, 5, touchdown. Welcome to Illegal Participation, the official podcast of the Heiner Tailgate. Recording this while firmly ensconced at the Heiner Tailgater headquarters, I'm your host and the big bald guy behind the grill, Bill Heine Heinrich. Joining me as always from Twin Pines Vineyards and Airbnb, the director of thermodynamic lipid immersion, my co-host brother the Beege. Beege, how are you doing? You, you know, Billy, it's it's a Sunday evening when we're recording this, mm-hmm. and and as it is a Sunday, you know, sometimes I struggle with my faith. Okay. But then you have then you have days like Saturday, which makes you realize that there is a God and He loves us. I agree. <laughs> I agree. Oh, hey, Beach, I heard a joke. You want to hear it? Yeah. What's what's the joke, Billy? Okay, ready? I'm ready. Knock knock. Who's there? The Ducks lost. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh, God. Uh, I've told that joke so many times today and it never gets unfunny. <laughs> uh, uh, good all right. times, good times. Well, the purpose of illegal participation is for us to talk about beaver sports, tailgating, anything else we find interesting and funny every week. Remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, any other podcatcher. If you want to get in touch with us, HeinrichTailgator at gmail.com, at HeinrichTailgator on Twitter, and HeinrichTailgator on Facebook. And I got to tell you, Beej, guess who I noticed followed us? Who? Dad. Just now. Uh, yeah, on because it showed up on, on the, the website I used to post it as Podbean, and it showed up on there. Followed by it, it, Paul Heinrich. I was like, whoa, I wonder if he's actually listening to this. Does he even know how to listen to a podcast? Or <laughs> know. Does he know what one is? I don't know. <laughs> but it said, it said dad. So anyways, wow. just found that interesting. All right. You ready to talk a little bit of Beaver sports? Yes. Yes. I, I'm, I'm anxiously awaiting this week because for one thing, I know the outcome of some of the games. And then on top of that, we're done with soccer. Are we not? Uh, No. Damn it. 
But let's start with well, women's volleyball. Oh, well, <laughs> only only good things to look at. Okay, all righty. What do we got? Well, Beach, the Beaver volleyball team pushed Utah to the limit on Thursday night at the John M. Huntsman Center, fall, but... falling in five sets to the Utes. Michael Vernon led the Bees with 16 kills, while Katerina Tchenko finished right behind her with 14 of her own. Now, defensively, Libero Ryan White led with 20 digs, and setter Ina Balco dished out 43 assists. Then, Beach at the Colorado University Event Center on Saturday evening, Oregon State hit 0% in the match and was unable to overcome all of their costly offensive errors, falling in straight sets to the Buffaloes. Inya Balco was the only Beaver student athlete in double figures, dishing out 20 assists on the night. The Beavs will return home for their final two home matches of the season on Friday against USC at 6, before facing UCLA on Sunday in the home finale at noon. I don't know if you'd call that a finale, but the last game. Yeah. So. Well, finale it's... makes it sound like it'll be exciting, and I don't think this one will be very exciting. Yeah. <sighs> more anyway, like, might be like more like putting it out of its misery. I was gonna say, yeah, just just let it die. <laughs> well, Beach, we got a little bit of uh, final women's soccer news of the year. Okay. After leading the Beavs in numerous categories, McKenna Martinez was selected to the third team All Pac-12, as announced by the league office last Tuesday. The sophomore from Richland, Washington, paced the Beavs on offense with 22 points, coming from 10 goals and a pair of assists. She also contributed a pair of match-winning goals in the 2022 season. For the second consecutive year, she led the team in goals scored. Nice. All right, Beavs, let's move on to a little bit of men's soccer. All right, Billy. And are we going to play for a tie again? Because that seems to be the more majority of our games, I think, have ended in ties. So that's pretty crappy well beach the oregon state men's soccer team traveled to seattle last thursday evening to take on number one ranked washington tend in a tie and they closed out the regular season by beating them damn huskies one to nothing <laughs> the b victory handed the huskies their first defeat of the season and their first loss in seattle since the bees beat them there last season now, wow. Dave, David Perez netted a late winner for Oregon State, slotting one home in the 84th minute off a pass from Nico Lopez. Jesus Sanchez was excellent in goal for the Beavs, making a number of impressive saves to shut out Washington for the first time in the 2022 campaign. So they hadn't been blanked all year. Now, wow. with the win, Oregon State ends the regular season with a record of 7-3-6. and six posting a mark of 5-0-2 against ranked opponents, if you can believe that, including 3-0-2 against teams ranked in the top 10. Wow. So their three losses came against unranked opponents. That's why I said they were losing to teams they shouldn't have lost to. Now, OSU will await the uh, NCAA tournament selection show, which happened on Monday, which for us is tomorrow, but for people listening was probably yesterday. Ah, okay. Uh, all right, let's move on to a little bit of cross-country news, Beach. Ooh, I saw um, – oh, there was some news on cross-country I saw yesterday. What the heck was that? Well, Kaylee Mitchell became Oregon State's first regional champion 
and led the Bees to their best finish at the NCAA West Regionals in school history. The Bees placed fourth with a school record low of 150 points, both making uh, both marking the best in OSU history at the event. Mitchell, Grace Featherstonehoff, and Christina Geisler all earned all-region recognition, the most Bees to earn the honors at a regional. Now, Beach, a day after that historic performance at the West Regional, Oregon State was selected to compete in the field of 31 teams at the 2022 NCAA Cross-Country National Championships. That, mm. that race will take place at 7 p.m. on Saturday, November 19th at the Greinler Family OSU Cross-Country Course in Stillwater, Oklahoma. So it's not this OSU, it's one of the other OSUs. Gotcha. I was a little confused there for a second. Yep. Um, hey, uh, and, and, and Beach, and, and just, I, just to finish it out, that race will be broadcast on ESPNU. Okay. So that'll be next, that'll be Saturday morning at 7 a.m. I didn't know they broadcast uh, cross country. On ESPNU, they are. Watching people run through the woods. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Um, I was going to ask, though, so, Billy, how, how long have we had a cross-country team at Oregon State? Um, I think... Because, I, I mean, this was the first time you said that we had somebody recognized and, and one of the best, uh, the best uh, teams from the sounds of it we've ever had, but how long has that been the case? Um, and we, and it, it's both men's and women's cross-country? They don't have men's, they don't have men's cross-country. It's only women's. Oh, okay. Um... Does this go back to our conversation on Saturday where we were talking about how we only have uh, women's track? Is it has to do with Title Title Nine? Well, kind of. They they discontinued track back in the eighties, just like. Um, well, because they had to cut back and and didn't they gave track to Oregon and and Oregon State got baseball? Wasn't that how that worked? Or yeah. Um, during the years of the budget cuts because of bad economies and well, yeah. And before the government started giving uh, totally unsecured loans to uh, students to fund the, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, I'm trying to find, Oregon I, I just remember when, when you and I went to Oregon state in the early nineties, like they were shutting down commissaries and they, the, uh, what Weatherford was, was dilapidated and condemned because they didn't have any money. Yeah. And then all of a sudden they started, uh, the government started allowing, you know, loans for every degree possible. And uh, suddenly the money just came flowing into the universities. Yep. Um, I can't find, trying to find the history on it. The history on Oregon State. I'm not sure when it was reinstated. I'm not sure when it was reinstated, Beach. Okay. Yeah. But it was, but it was gone for a while. I believe so. Okay, so the men's cross-country team won the national championship in 1961. Wow. And I knew that. Let's see here. Um, Okay, here we go. Here we go. Um, The cross-country and track and field programs were cut in 88. Okay. But began a comeback in 2004 with the return of a women's distance program which meant they had cross-country and um, distance races for track and field. Okay. Yep. And uh, they've slowly added more events for track and field. 
And they haven't had a an official men's team, although they have had some athletes compete, like I said, when they've had like um, at different times where they've had a bunch of fast um, football players that were also sprinters. Mm-hmm. Um, and they would run them in some um, relay events. Okay. So, yeah. Kind of going back to that uh, dual dual scholarship thing. Well, yeah. Well, no, because you didn't have to with track and field and cross country and just doing the the um, the distance events. You can have one athlete doing both sports since they're mm-hmm. real similar, mm-hmm. but it counts as two different athletes because it's two different sports. Okay, so gotcha. you just have to offer as many slots for women as you do a men. So mm-hmm. even if you've got one person competing in three slots, let's say you had a, a, a guy that played football, basketball, and baseball, that would be considered three athletes. Okay. Even though it's the same guy. Make sense? Gotcha. Yep. Yeah. Totally. And, and with track and field and cross country, you can kind of double dip with those distance events because they're real similar. Okay. So – if that makes sense. Kind of, yeah. Okay. All right. All right, Beach. let's move on to some wrestling news. Mm. The Oregon State wrestling team put on a pair of dominating performances to open the home slate of the 2022-23 season. Oregon State treated the Gill Coliseum faithful to a 45-3 win over Linfield and a 40-4 triumph over Clackamas Community College on Sunday afternoon. Brandon Kaler and Jason Shaner seized the early momentum for the Beavs taking a fall and a technical fall, respectively, to grab an 11-0 lead. Oregon State then cruised to the win in the first duel, taking wins in nine weight classes for the 42-point win. Now, counting the wins by Kaler and Shaner, Oregon State took wins by either fall or tech fall in seven of the nine wins. So the, this was just a little non-conference thing? Yeah. Yep. Okay. And they they uh, wrestled Linfield and Clackamas Community. Now the bees were. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't even know Clackamas community had a had a had a wrestling program. Yeah, you know, like because Lynn Benton has baseball. Really? Yeah. Okay. Lynn Benton Roadrunners. Nice. And they have a baseball team. So now the bees will resume the season in California next Sunday, November twentieth, when they take part in the Roadrunner Open, taking place in Bakersfield. So UC Bakersfield must be the Roadrunners. Gotcha. So and I wonder if is is uh, Bakersfield in the Pac twelve. I have no idea, Billy. You see Bakersfield? Yeah. Looking here. You see Bakersfield wrestling. Only because. Okay, Cal State. It's not UC. It's Cal State Bakersfield. Roadrunners. Looks like they're Division Two. So, no. Uh yeah, I'm just looking at their uh, schedule here. Looks like they – Michigan, Utah Valley, a lot of invitational, so it's hard yeah, to figure yeah. out. Yeah, yeah, well, that's – so you have different groups, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but, but I'm I, not I'm not seeing them – oh, well, they're playing Arizona State, Stanford, Beavers. So they might, they might be. Ah, no, Pac-12 championships. So are they? Yeah, okay. Yeah, there you no, go. that's what it says. It has their whole schedule, so – it has all these invitationals. Then uh, towards the end, you, you start seeing them play uh, Arizona State, who's ranked number eight, I guess, currently. Uh, Oregon State, who's not ranked. Um, and Stanford. But then it just says they're, they're 
Pac-12 championships in uh, Tempe, Arizona. Well, actually, this is uh, – I take it back. This is last year's schedule. No? Okay, well, hold on. Here's no, the – This is 21-22, so this is last year's schedule, but still must still be in the Pac-12. Okay, so there's six uh, members of the Pac-12. Mm, let's see. Let me look here. So there looks like there's six members of the Pac-12. Um, it had operated as with three full members plus two affiliates after the elimination of Boise State's program, but it restored its wrestling membership to the six required by adding Little Rock as an associate member. <laughs> so Boise State dropped theirs. Now they have Little Rock. That's so, funny. Yeah, so it must be Oregon State. Stanford, Arizona State must be the three full members and three affiliates with Little Rock, um, Bakersfield. I wonder who the other one is. Cal Poly? Oh, I bet you're right. I bet you're right. I was looking for – yeah, it looks like Cal Poly, Cal State, Bakersfield, Little Rock, and maybe San Diego State. Nope, San Diego State's only for soccer. So there you go. And there's American University. What is American in? Well, it isn't for uh, isn't for soccer, or it isn't for uh, wrestling. I know wrestling? that. Okay. Yeah, because I'm looking at here, and it just says wrestling. It's Cal Poly, Cal State, Bakersfield, and Little Rock. Gotcha. Cool. All right. Let's move on to some women's basketball. Oh, finally, some some good stuff here that doesn't end in ties and hopefully results in wins. And what do we got? Well, Beach, both of Oregon State's post recorded double doubles and a dominant 89 to 53 win over Seattle U on last Thursday night. Reagan Beers led the team with 22 points and 11 rebounds on a nine for 14 day from the field, while Jelena Metrovic posted six blocks to go with her 14 points and 13 boards. Talia Van Olhoffen recorded her seventh career 20-point game, while A.J. Marat contributed 18 points, five assists, and five rebounds. Now, Thursday's game marked the first time two Beavs had double-doubles in the same game since February 9, 2020 against Arizona, when Michaela Pivik and Destiny Slocum did it. It was also the first time two OSU players scored 20 points in the same game since February 28, 2020 against Washington when Aaliyah Goodman and Taylor Jones did it. Hmm. Both in 2020, before the dark times. Before the Empire. (laughs) Yeah. Oregon State now has a couple more days off to rest and prepare for Eastern Washington. They'll host the Eagles on Thursday, November 17th at 6 p.m. in Gill Coliseum. I was was just wondering if the Eagles court court up in uh, Washington is like painted bright red. Let's look. (laughs) Match match their football field. I don't know. I'm just curious. Everybody's doing this... uh, uh, weird designs in their their floor oh, now. Though. Oh, I know, I know. The worst is Oregon's because uh, no, it looks like it's just regular, regular just court hardwood. Oh, okay. Yeah, just hardwood court, like black and red keys and a big uh, their big eagle mascot uh, kind of oh. logo at the uh, center court. Or Oregon's got all the trees, doesn't it? Yeah, first time I saw yeah, first time I saw Oregon's court, I thought someone spilled stain on it. Yeah. What? What now? Does Oregon State have anything on theirs? Not really. Not like that. Okay. I've seen a couple others though on TV that have done something similar. Yeah. 
So I, just, I don't like it. I find it just distracting. Yeah, I would agree. All right, Beards, let's move on to some men's basketball. Okay. The Oregon State men's basketball team opened the 2022-23 season 2-0 as the Beavs took down Florida A&M 60-43 Friday evening at Gill. Dexter Acano scored all 15 of his points in the second half. Jordan Pope posted double figures for the second straight game, finishing with 14 points, 4 rebounds, 3 assists, and 3 steals. Rodriguez Andala came up with 10 points on 5-for-5 shooting to go with 6 rebounds and a pair of blocks. Michael Rotage went 4 for 4 from the floor to end the evening with 8 points. Now, as a team, Beach, the Bees held the Rattlers to 31.3% shooting from the floor and 23.1% from three-point range. Hmm. The Bees will play their third of four consecutive home games um, Tuesday night when Bushnell from Eugene visits Gill Coliseum. Hmm. How are we looking, Billy? I mean, I know we're, we're starting off good, but are these teams at a similar caliber or oh, they're not great, but you know, Florida A&M, I mean, they're not horrible. Okay. But you know, they should, the beef should beat them. Okay. The beef should beat them. They're, they're winning games. They should win. So oh. if you well, look at it that way, good. but they're looking a hell of a lot better than they did last year. They look more like a team this year. Good. Well, hopefully we have some success. Together. Hopefully uh, our winter sports with between both the, uh, both women's and men's basketball, we do well. Yep. Hey, right, let's finish off with a little bit of football news on the awards front. Okay. Oregon State redshirt senior Jack Coletto has been named one of four finalists for the Horning Award the Louisville Sports Commission announced last Thursday. The honor is given annually to college football's most versatile player. The honor is 13th season, and it's a tribute to the late Paul Horning. The winner and his family will be honored at the Paul Horning Award Dinner in Louisville in March of 2023. So Coletto is one of four finalists. That's great. Hmm. And it's supposed to go to the most versatile player. And really, I mean, if you look at it, it should be Coletto because he plays offense, defense, and pretty much every special teams. Do we know how he's doing after the game? We have not heard. Oh. I have not heard a lot yet. So, Well, Beach, also last week, Redshirt senior punter Luke Lochner has been named to the watch list for the Ray Guy Award. The honor is given annually to the nation's top punter. Loker from Cedar Falls, Iowa, has punted 29 times a season for 45.7 yards, which would rank near the top of the Pac-12 conference. However, wow. he has not punted enough times this season to qualify as of yet. Loker has trapped uh, opponents inside their 20 10 times a season and has seven punts of 50 or more yards. Opponents have only returned seven of his punts this year, totaling just 101 yards. Hmm. That's, that's pretty damn good. Yeah. Not bad. Yeah. Hey, Billy. Yes, me. you hear that? I do. Thank you. Billy. Yes, Beach. This just in. City of Eugene issues mysterious flood warning Saturday evening. On November 12th, at about the same time random cheers started coming from and around Research Stadium in Corvallis, the city of Eugene began experiencing random flooding. Pools started forming and Otson, uh, around Autzen Stadium and then throughout the student residences in Greek Row. Pretty soon, all of Eugene's public drainage was filling up with a salty, watery substance. 
The Public Works Department and the U of O maintenance staff was aware of the flooding, but said there were no breaks or leaks in their respective water or sewer systems. The oddest part, said local meteorologist Josh Cozart of Eugene Channel 13, is that the sky was clear and dry, yet the roads leaving Autzen Stadium and heading up I-5 were extremely wet, and it was as if this salty substance was coming from the vehicles. The flood warning was removed at midnight, at about the same time the local grocery and convenience stores saw a run on beer and Kleenex. <laughs> this has been your Heinrich Tailgater update from Eugene. Oh, yes, Beach. There was, there was some cheering from Research Stadium, was there not? I think I think that there was the, the screaming and cheering at Reeser coincided about the same time the wailing and moaning happening at uh, at Odson. Yeah, it was funny because uh, that happened during halftime, and so you were getting updates on your phone, and I'm kind of yep. listening to you, and I just I kept hearing cheering up in the the loge boxes behind us, and I turned around and looked, and everybody up there was you could see looking at their TVs in their box, so uh-huh. I, I knew they were all watching. Uh, the duck the game, game on their TVs. So I'm like, no, watch this. They, they weren't watching the duck game. They're watching the husky. Game. Husky game, yeah. I'm like, watch that. You'll find out if who wins that game by uh, if they cheer or not. So, oh my goodness gracious! Well, with that so. beach, I think it's time we go under further review for week number eleven in the Pac-12. After further review, the runner did cross the line. Touchdown! <laughs> Let's do this because. I'm pretty excited about how this week turned out. All right, Beads, let me get the thing here. Okay, uh, right there. Okay, got to get our, our picks for the week out where I can see them. All right, so heading into this week, Kyle, I hate you, Kyle. Kyle was in last place with 43 out of 62. You and I were tied with 47 out of 62. We had one game on Friday, November 11th, and that was Colorado at USC. Who'd you take, Beach? Well, Billy, all of us took the Trojans of uh, USC. How did how, I? I heard some rumors on this. Did somebody get hurt, or did something big happen? Well, Beach, uh, USC quarterback Caleb Williams passed for 268 yards and three touchdowns, and rushed for two more scores. And number eight Southern Cal overcame an apparent serious injury to top running back Tra- Travis Dye in a 55 to 17 victory over Florida, over Colorado on Friday night. Now, Williams accounted for five touchdowns in his fourth consecutive outstanding game of the season, and he uh, they warmed up for next week's defining game against number nine UCLA, and then following that, the season-ending game against Notre Dame. Now, uh, former Colorado receiver Brendan Rice had 70 yards receiving and a touchdown for the Trojans, while Taj Washington and Austin Jones caught TD passes from Williams in the third quarter. When Jones caught his pass, he threw up a two and a six after a score to honor the jersey number of Die, the Pac-12's second-leading rusher with 884 yards. Now, Die left the field on a cart with an air cast on his left leg after getting tackled awkwardly in the second quarter. The Oregon transfer and Los Angeles area native had been a key component of the Trojans' immediate transformation from a 4-1 program to a college football playoff contender. And he really was most of their running game. And, How uh, bad is it? it? I watched it because um, I was working um, Friday night and didn't see the play where he got hurt, so I went back and watched it. And you see he gets – it's an awkward tackle where there was somebody – he was getting tackled backwards and someone kind of half fell on one leg and someone was in front of the other. And you can tell it just – it. I mean, his, his knee's probably done for the year. Um, wow. It's not – I don't think it was – like 
cataclysmic, but he's done. Not 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 career ending. I don't think so. Yeah, I mean, season. you've seen some of those, like when, uh, oh, Alex Smith, um, who was the Utah quarterback who played for uh, the Washington Redskins, his catastrophic leg injury where they damn near had to amputate his leg. You know, it's not like that. Wow. Yeah, it's not like that, but it's it's pretty. It, you can tell he's he's done. So, and you can mm-hmm. you can tell by the looks on the players' faces too. So, and that really hurts their running game. So. I was gonna say that's that's gonna impact the balance of their uh, season. Who else do they have to play in the rest of the season? And they've got UCLA this week said- for the Victory Bell, and then they have Notre Dame in two weeks. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. All right. So we, it's going to impact him heavily on USC or on UCLA, and that's a, that's actually a big game, isn't it? Yes, it is. All right, so that uh, wow. that um, uh, gives us a, a win for all of us during the week. All the rest of the games beads are on Saturday, November second, or November twelfth. I mean, first up, Arizona State at Washington State. We all picked uh, Wazoo on this one, I think. Correct. Wazoo running back Nakia Watson ran for 116 yards and three touchdowns as Washington State beat Arizona State 28-18 on Saturday to qualify for a bowl game for the seventh time in the past eight seasons. Quarterback Cameron Ward completed 22 of 37 passes for 219 yards for Washington State, whose defense came in leading the conference in the fewest points allowed per game at 20 and managed to stifle the Sun Devils until late in the contest. Now, Quarterbacks Emory Jones, quarterback Emory Jones relieved Trenton Borgut at Arizona. Arizona State quarterback Emory Jones relieved Trenton Borgut at quarterback in the first half and completed 15 to 23 passes for 186 yards and two TDs for the Sun Devils, which was playing in chilly and foggy Pullman for the first time since 2015. Running back Xavier Valade rushed for 134 yards and a touchdown for the Devils. So mm. that, that's the Beavs' next opponent. That's so, got to be uh, tough for ASU. Or, yeah. Playing so in the cold. What's ASU's record? Yeah. Arizona State is 3-7 and seven overall, 2-5 and five in the pack. And their, okay. two, their two wins came against Alrighty. Colorado and Washington. Cal? Oh, really? They beat the Huskies. They beat the Huskies down there. Remember that? Because Kyle's went, how did that happen? Who knows? All right, we all got the win there. Next up, Beach, yeah. Washington at Oregon. Stanford. Ooh, I didn't have – I thought it was Stanford at Utah. Uh, no, I did these. That was on my list. Yeah, I did these backwards. Washington at Oregon. Okay, Washington at Oregon. You and Kyle picked the Ducks. Me, on the other hand. I said that the Huskies were going to be motivated by their win from the previous week, unfortunately, against us, and they were going to take out the Ducks. How did that turn out, Billy? Well, Beach, Washington kicker Peyton Henry made a 43-yard field goal with 51 seconds left, and number 24 Washington snapped number 6 Oregon's eight-game winning streak with a 34-37 to victory Saturday night dealing a blow to the Ducks' chances for a spot in the college football playoff. Now, in 2018, Beach, Henry had a chance to beat the Ducks, but his 37-yard field goal attempt on the final play in regulation was wide right 
and Oregon went on to win 30-27 in overtime. Now, for the Huskies, Michael Penix Jr. threw a 62-yard scoring pass to Todd Davis to tie it at 34 with 3.07 to go after Oregon quarterback Bo Nix limped off the field on the previous series. Now, Nix returned after Henry's field goal and got the Ducks to the Washington 38, but the final drive fizzled with an illegal touch penalty. The Huskies won in Eugene for the first time since 2016. Wow. Yep. So so he got redemption then. Yep, got some redemption for that kicker. That's that's awesome. The um Oh, you know you know what made me the most happy? That the it, Ducks it, lost. That's <laughs> <laughs> so good. No, but what I love from our conversation, I think it was last week we talked about it, uh that those lovely little polls that uh Autzen Stadium has to dictate what team won each game. Yeah. There's going to be a yeah. purple and gold one out there. There's going to be a purple and gold post going up and, and I can't wait to see it next time we go down probably next year. Yep. So anyway, I always, I always tell people I, when I talk to a, a duck fan, they're like, Oh, I'm a duck fan. Oh, really? You are. You, you ever been to Austin stadium? You ever been to a duck game? Well, no, I've never been to a duck game. Really? I go to one duck game a year and I hate those sons of bitches. Yeah, I know. <laughs> You go to one every other year. Well, no, we go to one every year. Oh, that's true. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. We go to a game where the Ducks are an opponent. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I go to the Beaver game. So, but anyway, uh, I, I, I do have to see those bastards. Anyway, so Billy, I got the point there. You and Kyle did not. Correct. And what's, oh, do you have to, uh, uh, what, what, uh, are we moving on to Stanford and Utah or do we need to discuss this anymore? I don't know. You seem to be taking over here. You let me know. What are we doing? Uh, you know, I'd love to beat it like a dead horse. Billy, you know what? What? Ducks lost. <laughs> 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 oh, my God. Uh, uh, you know, uh, you know. so when we're, we're done here, uh, I don't think we've ever really recapped. We, we go through the, the polls, but can we recap the, uh, the conference as well? Yeah, we can do that. Okay, let's let's do that. But uh, so, what's next, Billy? What's the next game? All right, Beach. Next up is Stanford at Utah, and we all picked the little baby goats. <laughs> Utah quarterback Cameron Rising threw for three touchdowns, and running back Tavion Thomas ran for a career high 180 yards. And number 13 Utah beat Stanford 42 to seven on Senior Night. Now Utah started slow on a below freezing night in the shadow of the Wasatch Mountains but scored 42 straight points after trailing 7 to nothing to Stanford. Utah's defense was suffocating after the initial score, while Thomas recorded his first 100-yard rushing game since the season opener at Florida and eclipsed his previous high of 177 yards set at Stanford last year. Now, Utah rolled to 514 total yards with 279 on the ground. At the same time, Stanford's entire offense failed to outgain Thomas Garnering just 177 yards. Hmm. So it sounds like uh, after Stanford scored their first, scored first, that Utah was, just shut them down. Yeah, that was it. Hmm. Yeah, that's why when I someone's first saw, like, look, Stanford's leading Utah. I'm like, yeah, we'll see how the rest of the game goes. You know, it's uh, Stanford. Uh, I don't know. It's just so weird because they were so dominant for, for quite a few years there, and it just seems like they've really hit the skids uh, this year. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't think they were all that strong last year, so see if they can get out of it next year. Yeah. So, anyway, well, so we all got the point on that one? Correct. All right. Next up, 
Arizona at UCLA. Oh, you know, we we all picked Akla, unfortunately. But, Billy, what happened to bitch tits on Saturday? Arizona quarterback Jane Delora accounted for three touchdowns and had his fifth 300-yard passing game of the season as Arizona upset ninth-ranked UCLA 34-28 Saturday night, snapping an eight-game road losing streak against ranked teams. Now, UCLA running back Zach Charbonnet rushed for 181 yards and three touchdowns for the Bruins, whose chances of making the Pac-12 title game took a big hit. Delora completed 22 of 28 for 315 yards and two TDs. He also ran in from three yards out during the second quarter to give the Wildcats a halftime lead. Now, the Wildcats were in the lead most of the night, but fell behind 28 to 24 with 10-22 remaining in the fourth quarter when Charbonnet ran a five-yard touchdown in. Arizona responded with an eight-play, 82-yard drive capped by Delora's 17-yard pass to Tatorara McMillan on fourth and four to go back on top, 31-28. to Now, after UCLA turned the ball over on downs, Tyler Loop extended the lead to six with a 23-yard field goal with a minute seven remaining. Now, the Bruins drove down to the Arizona 29, but Dorian Thompson-Robinson threw three straight incomplete passes. He then had Jake Bobo wide open in the end zone on the final play of the game, but Bobo was unable to come up with it after making a diving attempt. Yeah, and he, he would have been out anyway, I think, on that attempt. I, you and I were watching it, and yeah, I, I could yeah. have had that same opinion. Yeah, he was. But he was, was there little, if he makes a better throw. Bobo yeah, it was a little, little, too, little too deep. Yeah. So. So, because he was right at the back of the end zone and, and missed it, but if he would have got it, he would have been out of the end zone. Yeah, but like I said, if he makes a better throw where he's not trying to dive out and catch it, do, do you think Arizona played above their game, or do you think UCLA overlooked them? Uh, I don't know. Arizona has really improved in a year. That Delora um, has really been a big improvement at quarterback for them, mm-hmm. um, having him having transferred down from Washington State from last year, um, and a new coach, obviously, with uh, Jed Fish there. They've looked a lot better, and I, I've just not been sold on UCLA all year. Um, they haven't had the toughest schedule. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, um, they, they played solid against Oregon for about three quarters and then Oregon kind of whooped on them up on the end, mm-hmm. but, uh, we'll see. I, I don't know. I, I'm still not sold on them. Okay. So, who, now who do they have left to play? Um, UCLA obviously has, uh, USC this week. And then I think Cal the final week of the season. Okay. So they've, they one, one tough and then potentially one moderate team. Yeah. Okay. All right, Beach. So none of us got the win there. So well, we didn't get the point, but we all got the win. Yeah. So after, after week 11, Kyle is still in third place at 46 out of 67. I'm in second place at 50 out of 67. And you moved ahead at 51 out of 67. Look at that. I'm pulling ahead towards the end. This is, this is how I roll. All right, Beach. And last up, we had Cal at Oregon State. Oh, it was a good game, Billy. Tell us the details. Well, Beach, Oregon State's Ben Gilbranson threw for two TDs and ran for a score, and the Beavs' defense turned in another strong performance in a 38-10 victory Saturday night over Cal. Now, Oregon State also got a 55-yard punt return for a TD from Anthony Gould and did enough offensively to control the game with 362 total yards. Now, running back Damian Martinez had his fourth consecutive 100-yard game, rushing for 105 yards on 23 carries. Now, Gabranson completed just 15 of 23 passes for 137 yards, 
But he is 4-1 since replacing Chance Nolan as the B starting quarterback. Now, a week after scoring 35 points in a loss at USC, the Bears were limited to 160 total yards and didn't score an offensive touchdown. It was one of Oregon State's most impressive defensive games of the season, especially holding Cal to just nine yards rushing as a team. Cal quarterback Jack Plummer was 22 of 34 for 151 yards, and he was sacked twice. Now, Oregon State opened the scoring on Gil Branson's one-yard touchdown run, set up by a 37-yard pass from all-purpose standout Jack Coletto to Gould on fourth and two from the Bears' 48-yard line. Gould's run back was phenomenal. Oh, that was great. That was great. Yeah, you saw him sprint out to the left, and as soon as he got that corner and hit that edge, he turned it up and then did a good job of cutting back inside, going against the flow that of everything that was coming at him, and mm-hmm. then and then just accelerated past everybody. That, that was a beautiful turn. And how long has it been since we've seen a player not have one but two punt returns for touchdowns in the same season? Then for what? Since probably 2001? I don't 2000? know if we've ever seen anybody. I, I mean. Hoosh? What, how, do, how many did Hoosh uh, have? Hoosh never had any touchdowns. But he had some big returns. He always had consistently good returns. Okay. Strouder had a couple returns for touchdowns, but I don't think they were in the same season. You know, Didn't Poy- he have one like first game of the season or something like that? I just uh, remember. I mean, the big one was him, his, his against USC when USC was ranked sixth. Okay. And they beat him up here at, at, at Reeser. Um, Jordan Poyer had one against UCLA that I can remember. Um. It you know, amazes me that you can go back and remember all these. Well, things. and I'm thinking I, I, I want to say maybe maybe James Rogers had one, but I don't remember seeing two by the same player in one season. I mean, you might have to go all the way back to like Dwayne Owens in like '89 or '90, you know, and he had one that was like. 95 yard punt return or something. <laughs> that was probably the only way we scored. It was. The offense is hell good. It was. <laughs> it was. That's why I can remember Dwayne Owens in like 89 or 90 doing it. My, I think it was 90. Funny. So, but yeah. But yeah, no, it was a great game. Um, offensively, we saw a lot of good things. I didn't like, there was a lot of wasted drives after scoring those first um, three touchdowns, mm-hmm. but then they opened up the second half, really throwing the ball and Gil Branson looked good. Now they weren't throwing deep down the field, mm-hmm. but he looked good throwing the ball, crisp passes, good reads. And those first three drives, three scores, 17 points. And I mean, it was great. And it was good to see all those other players, um, see the field towards the end of the game. Um, Tristan Jebbia getting out there. Um, and actually mm-hmm. throwing the ball, not just handing it off. Uh, I think the one down part to the whole game was just the number of guys that got hurt in that game. The, guy, the number of guys that came out. Like you said earlier, Coletto, um, mm-hmm. from what we understand, it's a hamstring, but we don't know the severity on it. We probably won't know until Monday's press conference, so people listening now should know. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Alex Austin got hurt in the backfield. Jaden Grant got hurt in the backfield. Uh, two different offensive linemen got hurt. So uh, it, it, I just hopefully it's just dinged up and in the cold and like, let's not put them out there anymore and call it good. Oh, I was, I was going to mention, uh, I don't know if you recapped the uh, Husky game at all, but towards the, the final drive, 
Oregon kept having players get injured. And I kind of was wondering if that might have been due to uh, slowing the game clock down. Well, it could have been. I don't know. Did you see the players come back? I know Nick's was limping. And they weren't sure he would come back out. Don't know. When I was getting my my updates from uh, Becky via text message on the game, she kept just saying, oh, you know, injured duck player, injured duck player. I think it happened two or three times it, and uh, toward, towards the, the final drive. And I yeah. I said, well, you know, if they're they're not important players. Maybe they were told to, you know, get injured. I don't Could know. Be. We always called that the loser's limp. Yeah. Yeah. You're losing. So, so start limping. So they start <laughs> stop the clock. But yeah. No. For so. That, so that Beaver game. No, I thought it was great. Um Real dominating performance, especially defensively. I mean, you hold a team to nine yards. I mean. I know. I mean, they were negative up until the very end, I think. Yeah, it doesn't get much better than that. Let me see. Um, Just stuffed them on the ground. What? Um, so, going back to my previous uh, statement, Billy, so where are we at in the Pac-12? Okay, hold on here. I want to see something. For uh, rushing defense. I, I know they've got some games where they've actually had negative yards for the game because mm-hmm. it's because of sacks, but nine yards for the game has got to be up there as one of the top top games. So I'll have to look that up. Nice. Now you were asking about the standings in the Pac-12. Okay, Beach. So this is where we're at. Um, okay. USC is lead, and now I'm only going to give the conference record because that's all that matters. For, Absolutely. That's the first thing that matters for the conference. So. Absolutely. Oregon is in first, or excuse me, USC is in first place at seven and one. Okay. Oregon is in, Oregon and Utah are tied at second at six and one, although they play this week. Mm-hmm. So that'll drop one of those two down. UCLA okay. is in fourth place at five and two, tied with Washington, and Oregon State is next at four and three. So we're in sixth place. Okay. Um, and Washington State is in seventh at three and four. Now all those teams are bowl eligible. Okay. So Arizona State or uh, Washington State is bowl eligible at six and four. They really need to win one more game to secure themselves a bowl. Yep. And who they have left? They have Arizona at Arizona and then home against the Huskies. So could could be some good games there. Yep. USC only has one conference game left. So they're almost guaranteed. Well, no, they're not guaranteed a a, a, a spot in the championship yet. They really need to win this week. Yeah, because Oregon beat – no, Oregon didn't play U- USC. Utah beat them. Okay. So Utah could go ahead of them in a, in a challenge. Well then, and then what happens if they end up at uh, seven and two, and Oregon ends up at seven and two? I don't know. I don't know what the tiebreakers are for because they didn't play each other. So there's they, they no. They didn't play each other. But then, if you look at Utah, if it goes then against um, common opponents in the pack, so you'd look at the first team above them would be Utah. Um, and Oregon wouldn't have beat Utah, neither did USC, so that one doesn't work. Then the next mm-hmm. would be UCLA, and Oregon beat them, and USC wouldn't have, so Oregon would go. So hmm. you'd have an Oregon-Utah rematch, possibly. Okay. 
Well, let's hope we don't get to that, and let's hope that Oregon ends the season at uh, six and three. I wouldn't mind that. Um, who does Washington have left? Washington has home against Colorado and at Washington State, so it'll be okay. interesting. So, what were you gonna say? So ASU, uh, who who falls after ASU? Uh, so you got Arizona at four and six, Arizona State, or t- Arizona's at two and five, Arizona State two and five, Colorado one and six, uh, Cal one and six, and Stanford one and seven. So Stanford has at Cal, and then home against BYU. Okay. So there, there still could be some movement here. This is interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll see how uh, we'll see how next week turns out. All right, Beach. Let's talk about the Pac-12 and the polls. In the AP poll, USC moved up to number seven. Utah up to ten. Oregon fell to twelve. <laughs> <laughs> Washington jumped up to number fifteen. UCLA fell to sixteen. And Oregon State comes in at number twenty-five. So they spent a week back, on the outside, and they're back in. Yep. Now in the awesome. uh, USA Today poll, USC is up at number six, Utah 10, Oregon down to 13, Washington up to 15, UCLA down to 16, and Oregon State is just on the outside looking in at number 27. Hmm. All right, Beach, it's now time for the Tommy Tupperville. What's he think I look like? A jackass? You sure do. Jackass of the Week Award. Every week, I like to discuss, discuss a person in college football who exemplifies the truly worst in sportsmanship, leadership, and just being a fan. And Beach, this time, this is kind of, well, it's definitely football related, but it's not really related to what happens on the field. But we're going to give it to Washington Governor Jay Inslee and Washington State Athletic Director Pat Chun. I think this is the first time we've ever given it to a governor, have we? Political, somebody politically affiliated? Yep. Well, okay. Beach, what happened? Well, Beach, former Washington State football coach Nick Rolovich has filed a lawsuit against the university, against Washington Governor Jay Inslee, and Washington State University Athletic Director Pat Chun seeking damages related to his dismissal last year for refusing to get vaccinated against COVID-19. Mm-hmm. Now, Rolovich had previously filed a claim against the university, which was a prerequisite for suing a state agency. The 32-page complaint, which was filed Friday, according to Rolovich's lawyer, Brian Falling, contains eight counts, including breach of contract, discrimination against religion, wrongful withholding of wages, and violation of Title VII of the Civil Rights Act, as well as the First and Fourteenth Amendments. Now, unlike the claim, which indicated Rolovich would seek $25 million, the complaint did not specify how much money he is seeking. However, it does request damages, including the loss of past and future income, liquidated damages from his employment, punitive damages, and other costs related to bringing the lawsuit. Now, a Wazoo spokesman said the university, quote, We'll provide further comment once our attorneys have had an opportunity to assess the claims made in the suit. Now, requests for comment sent to Inslee's office and the Wazoo Athletic Department were not immediately returned Sunday night. (coughs) 
Wazoo fired Rolovich and four assistant coaches for cause lost in October for failing to comply with the state's vaccine mandate. It was un- so his, his, his assistants didn't uh, comply either? They fired four of his assistant coaches. Now, it's unclear whether the coaches, Ricky Lago, John Richardson, Craig Stutzman, and Mark Weber, also plan to sue. Now, Rolovich is currently working in a voluntary capacity with the San Marin High, uh, excuse me, the San Marin High High School football team in Northern California, where he grew up. And Beach, mm. what this really goes to is, and, and it really, it's on, it's on, Inslee and Chun. I, I heard a really good interview with Rolovich today, and it was really interesting. And he was talking about, you know, that he did have a legitimate, he was seeking a religious exemption from the rule. And they wouldn't, they wouldn't consider it at all. Well, no, it was done on, all those were done on a blind basis. So they just um, evaluated them without knowing who it was for. And it was approved. Until they decided to revoke it. Why? Guess who the highest paid state employee was at the time? He was. Yep. And they didn't like the optics of the highest paid state employee not doing what the governor or the athletic director said he had to do. Wow. So they revoked it. And he was talking about that there was a Zoom meeting with uh, the athletic director and a bunch of coaches and a bunch of the assistant athletic directors and that kind of stuff. And they had, I can't remember who the guy was, but Rolovich is very, uh, the whole vaccine thing bothered him. And he was very uh, educated on what was out there. And Mm -hmm. he goes, the guy that was presenting it was just, presenting stuff that all came from Pfizer's, you know, uh, uh, press releases. Mm-hmm. They weren't giving them any facts. They weren't giving them any of the, you know, stuff that uh, any of the research that Pfizer had. It was all just talking points that Pfizer had put out there. And he goes, then they took, they had a part where they started asking questions. And it was, oh, this assistant, assistant AD asked a question. Oh, that assistant AD asked a question. And he goes, you could tell it was all planted questions just to try and make it look. See, it's okay that we're having you do this. It's okay that we're requiring you to do this. And then one of Rolovich's assistant coaches actually asked a question about um, women's reproductive cycles. Mm -hmm. And he goes, you know, we have a lot of female athletes in this athletic department who are of, you know, a, a reproductive age. And how, yeah. how does this affect their cycles? And is it something you've taken into account? And the guy in charge of the meeting basically swore at him, and they ended the meeting right then and there. Because they didn't have answers. Yeah, and they didn't want to have to answer. And as we now know, even though it was taken off of Facebook at the time and taken off of Twitter because it was deemed misinformation, the vaccine, which doesn't keep you from catching the COVID-19 or from spreading the COVID-19, which is the only vaccine I've ever known that doesn't prevent you from getting it or spreading it, Mm -hmm. 
it does mess with women's reproductive cycles. Mm-hmm. Anyways, and it's, to me, the the more I listen to this this uh, press conference or this uh, interview of him, the mm-hmm. more you realized it was just the head honchos deciding that they didn't want this guy not doing what they said. They didn't want this guy who was the highest paid employee in the state not doing what they said because if he won't do it, how many others won't do it? Mm-hmm. And that's just, that's just, that's bad leadership. It's bad leadership. We're going to force you to do what we want. We can't convince you to do what we want. We've given you an out. It's just like, Beach, if they said, let's say you're going to college, right? And you mm-hmm. go in and say, I don't want to take this class. I want to challenge it. And they say, okay, well, you have to do it right now. And then you go, okay, give me the test. And you sit down and take the test and you pass it. And you're like, okay, I'm not taking that class. And then they say, well, actually, you can't challenge it. No one's ever been able to pass that test before. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. They don't like that. They don't like being challenged. Or, or yeah, or you are at Oregon State and you, they tell you you can get off the meal plan if you lose another 10 pounds and then you end up losing those 10 pounds and then they tell you you can't get off the meal plan. Yep, 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 yep. So, <laughs> anyways, I just, the more I listened to that interview, it was just really interesting. Yeah, really. you know, you, what, what's frightening to me is, is how, the censorship is going on mm-hmm. and the miss the 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 denial of information the claims of misinformation and it it has all the feeling of of being a government controlled media it does doesn't it i mean that that's that seems to, to me the freakiest thing yeah. is is how it feels like they they went after you need to remove this you need to remove that you need to remove this and it just gets the feeling like, you know, I feel like in some respects we become Kim Jong-un, you know, this is, you know, we're at war. We've been at war. We're still at war. You need to follow us. Yeah. I don't know. I know. I know. Anyways. Anyways. So Governor Jay Inslee and Pat Chun, you get this week's. <laughs> Jackass of the week. Anyways, well, interesting, interesting. I hope he wins because well, that, that whole thing of they approved him on a blind one and then re I mean that's And then removed he, it. Yeah, I mean he's he's got serious grounds. Oh he totally so, does. He totally yeah. does. And I hope he takes them for everything. And you know what more impresses me more? Here he was making three and a half million dollars a year. Mm-hmm. Had his dream job, dream house, everything's going great. But he stood by his convictions. He did, and I that that impresses me more than anything. Yeah, because he didn't get uh, he didn't get, uh, and he was made a pariah in the media. Mm-hmm. You know, I think when you when you and I had those conversations last year about it, we were uh, I I was just dumbfounded. Yeah, that he that they would let him go, and that this is how it ended. Yeah. So well, it ain't and, over yet. And, you know, and and I guess you know what really irks me is. If if this was the private industry and the owner had to pay the price for being wrong, 
mm-hmm. he probably wouldn't have done it. Yep. Right. They would have said, we'll make things work. We'll, we'll work around this issue because I, I fear a lawsuit. You know, I don't want to be taken to court. I don't want to have this deal and I don't want to lose the money. But when it comes to the government, they can do really bad things. And the people that do those bad things pay no penalty for being wrong because it's our tax dollars that end up going to, to, to pay for it. Correct. Not theirs. Correct. Yeah. So All right, Beats. Let, right. Let's move into this week's musical interlude. Ooh. What did you pick, Billy? Well, Beach, this is a song from the album Everything that came out in 1988, the third studio album of the American pop rock female group, The Bangles. Now, this power ballad was written by group member Susanna Hoffs. Oh, I with, love her. With the established hit songwriting team of Billy Steinberg and Tom Kelly. Now, upon its 1989 single release, it became a number one hit in nine countries, including Australia, Sweden, the United Kingdom, and the United States. Now, since its release, it's been covered by many musical artists, including Australian boy band Human Nature, who reached the Australian top ten with their version, and British girl group Atomic Kitten, who topped four national charts with their rendition. Now, the focal metaphor of this song, which is Eternal Flame, was suggested by two Eternal Flames, one which was at the gravesite of Elvis Presley at Graceland, where the Bengals had been given a private tour. That's where they came up with the title and decided... Uh, Hoffs and the other two songwriters decided, oh, we need to write a song about an eternal flame. It's just a great a great title for a song. Mm-hmm. Now, on the BBC program, I'm in a girl group, Hoffs revealed she actually sang the song in the studio and recorded it completely naked. Oh, my God. After the producer pranked her by telling her Olivia Newton-John recorded unclad herself now hoff said quote i imagined it would feel like skinny dipping vulnerable yet freeing and i decided to try it she remembered in 2021 she also said nobody could see me there was a baffle in front of me and it was dark now she liked the experience so much beach that she sang all her vocals for the entire album in the buff oh my god i'm having a visual right now on my head it's oh that- i know I know. I'm a big fan of the Bengals and uh, especially Susanna Hoffs. When, when she does that crap with her eyes and in, in, uh, walk like an Egyptian, walk like an Egyptian. Oh yeah. Oh, oh, oh yeah. my God. Melt my butter. Oh, I, I need a shower. Yeah. All right, beach. <laughs> so here we have a little power ballad here. So here is the Bengals with eternal flame.
I love that song, and I love the Bengals. You know, I didn't even think about like I was. I was looking for fire, and you took it to flame. Exactly. So, wow! Oh my God! It's I've done so burning and I've done flame. Yes. You know, I've I've got a poster of her. Uh, a friend of mine gave me. Oh, yeah. uh, that's out in the barn. So I might oh, have yeah. to. Oh, yeah. I might have to stare at that for a good half hour, forty five minutes tonight. Well, you know the the original. Uh, 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 is it the original drummer for the band mm-hmm. was from the uh, uh, was there four she, people in that band or just three guys? I think there was four, uh, but 
um where was she in one of the the one of the original gals from the band was in um the runaways oh really yeah i think it's the drummer let me see because you had Joan in the runaways you had uh Joan Jett, uh sherry yeah um you're digging a sherry curry mm-hmm. oh mickey Steele. The bassist of the Runaways was the bassist for the Bengals. Okay. So there you go. Anyways, Beach, uh, do love me some Bengals, love me some Susanna Hoffs, and that's just a great song. And I love pushing the boundaries of your fire theme this year. <laughs> nice. All right. So, Beach, let's look at week number 12 in the Pack 12. I've got Kyle's email here. He sent it actually early this week. So all the games are on Saturday, November 19th, coming down to the end of the season here. First up, Washington State at Arizona. Washington State at Arizona. I'm still going to take Washington State on them. Okay. I think think they're going to continue to win. Kyle says... Who's your favorite kitty? Wazoo. I'm going to take Arizona. Mm. I think Delore is going to beat his own team. All right, next up, Stanford at Cal. The big game, Beach. Mm, the big game. <sighs> you know what? Um, I'm going to go with Cal on this one. I think they're at home, and I think that's going to give them the advantage. Okay. Kyle says, Cal, I guess. I just hope a band member gets run over. <laughs> I, I, too, am taking Cal. And, you know, um, the, the announcer from that game, the Cal announcer, who was at that game, who you know, the, oh, the band's on the field, the band's on the field. He's actually retiring this year. It's his last last season with Cal. Huh. Um, I think his name is Joe Starkey. He's been oh, there forever. When, when was that? Like 1980 something? Yeah, Joe. I think it's Joe Starkey. Yeah, Joe Starkey. Um, born in 41, so he's 81. Been the Golden Bears football announcer since 1975. Holy crap! Yep. That's 47 years. Yep. Was also the play-by-play announcer for the 49ers for 20 seasons. And that big game call, the band was on the field. That was 1982. So he's only got two games left. So they actually, um, a little bit of his broadcast on the Beaver broadcast on Saturday. They, they cut over and played um, a little bit of, of his broadcast of the game. Just as a tribute. Just as a tribute. Tribute to him, yeah. All right, Beach. So we're all, uh, we got that one all taken. Cal. Next up, mm-hmm. USC at UCLA. You know, with the injuries. Yep. I'm going to take UCLA. UCLA. Kyle says, USC gets the victory belt. <laughs> Chip Kelly's pink nipples stay flaccid, soft, supple little nipples at the apex of his mounted man titties. <laughs> okay. I, too, am going to take UCLA because I think without 
Travis Dye, their running game, USC's running game sucks. All right. Next up, Colorado at Washington. I think Washington, I think the Huskies are going to continue their dominance. Kyle says, totally the game that Washington could blow, but I'm picking Washington. (laughs) I, too, am taking Washington. And the last game we're picking, Utah at Oregon. Utah. Really? The little little baby goats are going to kick that duck's ass. Kyle says, little goats trample the ducks. Utah. (laughs) I, too, am taking Utah. All right. And then Beach, yeah, I'm, Oregon... really hope, I'm really hoping our picks come true. At least my picks, Kyle on that USC one is wrong. But uh, God, I'd love to see. I, you know, sometimes you just want to see a train wreck at the top, right? I love chaos. Yeah, yeah, chaos is awesome. Yeah, a bunch of teams tied at like seven and two. That would be great. Yes, it would be great. I would love it to they have to come to a to a coin toss to figure out who goes. Yeah, I'd love it. Well, hell if. Yeah. Utah lost their final two game. Well, no, they can't. No, we so. if if Utah wins and we win, our next if if Utah if Oregon drops their next two games and we win our next two games, then we theoretically go ahead of Oregon in the pack. Yeah, that that's what I'm looking forward to. That that's what I'm hoping that happens. Yeah, because everything else be damned. Yeah, they would end up six and three, and so would the bees. Mm-hmm. That would be great. We. And we'd win in, in, in a direct challenge. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. All right, Beach. Um, last game, Oregon State at Arizona State at 11.15 in the morning kickoff. Dude. I know. It's crazy. Are you, to, are you going to be watching at your house? Yeah, but I got to work Friday night, so I don't know. I probably won't be up till 11.10. Okay, maybe I'll just go for mom and dad's and check it out. Yeah, I'm going to be I'm gonna be beat up, so. Anyways, we also didn't talk about the tailgater beach. I thought it was a great tailgater. You know, Sausage Fest is always a fun one. Yeah. So um, I was surprised how quickly the bratwurst went out and the hot links. Yeah. But we didn't have as many hot links. I think you struggled to find those, didn't you? Yeah, I did a little bit. Yeah. So, but uh, no, the deep fried goodness. I really like having all of the the pans dedicated to my deep fried goodness. Yeah, because you could just kind of keep it all separated. Exactly. You know, just like the offspring said, you got to keep separated. And you don't have to do the dishes the next day. Exactly. Exactly. But so. no, it was a good one. I thought people had a good time, people cruising in. It was a great day. Yeah. You know, it started a little slow. I was worried that we weren't going to have many people show up because it just seemed like we were getting on in the tailgater and we just didn't have a lot of people coming. Then right, right towards what, the last hour and a half or so? Yeah. All of a sudden, everybody started showing up. I was worried, you know, with, with as cold as it was, with the fact that we kind of had a little bit of rain in the morning, um, I was thinking it was going to be uh, it was going to be low attendance, but uh, it all all turned out well at the end. And it was just a great tailgater, great game. Loved watching the uh, the Husky game while we were out there. So Agreed. Yeah. It's hard to believe we only have one game left. Well, I shouldn't say one game. Only one tailgater left. Yeah. So, and uh, we'll find out what time that game is, what, probably on Sunday of next week? Or maybe tomorrow? Oh, will they announce the will they announce the games tomorrow? Possibly. Okay, well, Possibly. that'd be great to know. I, I'm hoping for a, you know, I like a nice 3 o'clock game. That would be nice. That would be nice. Yeah. 
that that gives you a nice time for food. It gets you the it gets you done before the before um, it gets too darn dark, and mm-hmm. got to get home at twelve or one o'clock at the morning after you jump off the trailer and all the coolers. And- <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. All right, Beach. Right. Anything else we need to chat about? I don't think so tonight. I think that's it. Okay. But uh, before we go, I just want to remind you that the Ducks lost on Saturday. It doesn't get any better now. Oh. It could. It could. Uh, well, it could only get better if we have the same thing to say uh, next Sunday. Oh, that would be great. That would be so great. Well, I want to thank everyone for listening to show number 187 of Illegal Dispatient. If you'd like to comment, send a suggestion, or ask a question, there are a few ways to get in touch with us. HeinrichTailgator at gmail.com, at HeinrichTailgator on Twitter, or HeinrichTailgator on Facebook. Remember, you can listen and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, iHeartRadio. Leave a rating review if you do. Beach. Billy. It was a good week. It was a, great, it was a perfect week. Perfect week and a great week to be a beach. So this week down at Phoenix, I hope everyone going down has a great time. And just remember, here's a great big Go Bees. Sorry, I I had my computer m- muted, and I was looking at something on my phone, and I saw the the text from you, and I'm like, well, I'm waiting for you. So, you know, why don't you do it? Um, I, can, can you hear that rattle? No. Okay, good. Hoping my computer doesn't pick it up. My, my fan's rattling in my stupid computer, and I need to go get it fixed. Hey, Billy. That was stupid. That was stupid. Dude, I literally, I'm sitting here and all of a sudden I just reached up and pushed the button. I'm like, why the f*** did I just do that? It was a, the dumbest thing I've ever done. I'm like, what the hell was that no, about? No, you've done so much dumber shit than that. Okay, and we're recording again. Okay, it was just stupid. I was like, what? how did I just do that? I'm like, how? What? what are you, are you kidding me? So, anyways, all right, we're back up and running. I do that occasionally when I'm I'm like on the phone on my cell phone and I'm trying to uh, yeah and I'm trying to talk to some uh, you know and I'm trying to get to something else on my um uh, on my phone and I'm like oh just push the little red button hang up on that oh, yeah that's not what I meant to do <laughs> exactly but, but at least that's the hang up button and that's not the uh, whole reboot my computer button yeah yeah my 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 well I just turned my computer off. You know, I turned it off. I'm like, well, I got to turn it back on and reboot it. So here we go. All right. Now, Jones threw up. He threw up? <laughs>
Hold on, I'm going to smack my computer. Because I can't stand hearing it. I hope it's not getting recorded. Okay, so let me look at this. Can you not hear that? I can hear you beating on it. Are you enjoying it as much as uh, you should be? Yeah, hold on. I'm trying to hear. Okay. So I'm going to. Oh, it's not team defense. Now I can hear that. Used a little bit of his announcer. Um, Chip Kelly gets pink nipples. I like beer. <laughs> 